1: If we don't get a fair deal from Congress, the government will either shut down on February 15th again, or I will use the powers afforded to me under the laws and the Constitution of the United States to address this emergency.
2: Hi, this is Josh Marshall, and this is the Josh Marshall Podcast. We're back from our holiday hiatus. Uh, this is I, I, we, we did the last. We we have sort of an informal That's right. hiatus uh, uh, policy, but uh, this was our our holiday hiatus, and now we're back. And we're back to our. Our our weekly uh, schedule and and actually we're, we're we're back and we're we're trying out we're gonna try out something a slightly different format uh, that will uh, bring in my uh, co-host uh, David Tainter some more and also just uh, you know we we want to we want it there's so much goddamn news going on it's and crazy so, yeah and so much of it is is both terrible from a civic point of view but really quite wonderful from a, <laughs> from a TPM point of view. So so we want to It's so a good we, yeah, it's a good we time to talk about it. So all right, before before we get any 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 further, I want to remind you that now that we're back from the hiatus, uh Grady's Cold Brew Ice Coffee is back being the sponsor of the Josh Marshall podcast. And I I have something a little off message to discuss, mm. discuss after this, but right. but it's not great, but but Grady's has nothing to do with it. So I don't want to kind of get them crosswise with any with any uh major coffee corporations. That's understandable. So okay. All right. Want to become a true office hero? Treat yourself and your coworkers to the best iced coffee in the country with a 42-serving bag-in-box from Grady's Cold Brew. Now shipping to 20 states on the East Coast, this coffee concentrate pours from a spigot just like boxed wine. And this this is actually the version of Grady's that that I we, just that I just parked myself. Yeah, on a few th- minutes th- that ago that we have in the office. And I was going to say it is from a. A, a spigot, like just like boxed wine, but kind of like boxed wine is like let's get drunk quickly. <laughs> it's not like the best wine, but this is actually like the best yes. iced coffee. So I wanna, I wanna make that clear. Yeah, yeah. I wanna make that clear. Uh, so help yourself to a cup at cup after cup of Grady's signature New Orleans style flavor, freshly brewed with hic- with chicory. Hickory. with chicory for just a hint of all natural sweetness ready to give it a swirl get 20 percent off your first order at grady's with promo code tpm that's promo code tpm so look let's let's uh talk you know let, let's let do talk about the elephant in the room or like the crypto elephant in the room we, we know and this is nothing to do with grady's but like grady's is really good so like if you Better than some other coffees out there. Yeah, I have to say we've got you know we're not we weren't really um, we didn't have this on the agenda to talk about, but we've got this Howard Schultz dude out there who says he's going to run as as an independent and. It, it, it's it's noteworthy that he's that he says he's running as a centrist independent but I've been watching for the last last 48 hours and like every single thing is attacking Democrats right attacking Medicare for all attacking higher marginal tax, tax rates, rates uh yeah. wants to cut Social Security uh, says he he doesn't want to run as a Democrat because he doesn't want a 70 percent uh, uh, marginal tax rate at right. the top and it, it's also this whole thing about how America's so divided we don't need left or right right it's sort of
0: like inflected with that kind yeah, of yeah
2: yeah with a lot of bullshit. And <laughs> yeah. so I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like calling for anything like this, but like, honestly, I cannot imagine. I mean, just, I have Grady's cold brew. So like, I don't really need Starbucks and right. I haven't been visiting Starbucks. And there's uh, one, there's one since. just a block or two from the office, right? Yeah. There's one, uh, yeah. Like two blocks from the and office. I, you've, I know you, you have been a Starbucks guy in the past. We all have pasts that we're not <laughs> proud of. Um, that's true, and the and the people who who work at that at that location are delightful people. And um, I I I do want to say, you know, we have to realize that that every time we think about how we choose to spend our dollars and stuff like that, there are a lot of different things in play and people affected and stuff like this. But I do have to say. Uh, uh, Howard Schultz is like the de facto founder yeah. of Starbucks. He was CEO for decades until fairly recently. Yeah, right. um, and now he still has the emeritus title, right? Chairman sure. Emeritus, whoever, yeah, well, hey, like whatever, a professor. That. He, he, yeah, exactly. So, and I think he—I mean—he must be a, a major shareholder. So, like, yeah, I can't—I I really can't see myself like going to a Starbucks. It's because what what he's doing is just is just it's, it's dangerous and it's an, and it, it's an ego trip. And, and, yeah. uh, anyway, and there's better coffee out there. There is better coffee out there. And most of it is called Grady's cold blue <laughs> ice coffee. All right. So we, we have, so what, what are we, what are we talking about? So it's been a crazy week in the yes. news. We all know this.
0: Um, a lot of things happening, especially last Friday when Trump came out and, and basically tipped over, right? After 32 days of just demanding, Wasn't it of, like
2: 35. What was is 32, 35. 35? Wow, there you go. All right, yeah. 35. So what, what? I guess we should review, like, what led up to this. What were the what were what were so there was this moments? there was
0: obviously this infamous meeting in the Oval
2: Office. When was that? Maybe it's like late December. Yeah, I guess. So I think it was when we knew it was going in that direction. Yeah, and it was still that point where the Republicans could have like kind of taken care of it themselves right. before the switch over. Right. Yeah. Let's hear what he had to say then. All right. None of us
0: have you said You want to
1: know something? You've said okay, it. Okay. You want to put that in my it. I'll take it. Okay, okay. Good. You know what I'll say? Yes. If we don't get what we want, one way or the other, whether it's through you, through a military, through anything you want to call, I will shut down the government, okay, absolutely. Fair enough. And we I disagree. am proud, and I'll we tell you disagree. what, I am proud to shut down the government for border security, Chuck, because the people of this country don't want criminals and people that have lots of problems, and drugs pouring into our country. So I will take the mantle. I will be the one to shut it down. I'm not going to blame you for it. The last time you shut it down, it didn't work. I will take the mantle good. of shutting down. And lovely. I'm going to shut it down for border security. But we believe it, <laughs> There you go. You know, the,
2: <laughs> that, was, that was the part with, mainly the part with Chuck Schumer. But they're a good tag team. Because, man, they played him so hard in that in that engagement that, I mean, and th- this frankly... This kind of stuff has always informed my sense of how the Russia stuff probably played out because he is, he is such an easy mark and, and, and his tells are so obvious that, you know, um, Schumer's basically there like, are you mad enough to shut down the government? I don't think so. I don't think so. And he's like, dude, I'm totally shutting down. (laughs) And, and in the video, and I've played this video like 59 times on, 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 on Twitter that you can, that, that, uh, at that part, when Schumer, uh, when Trump says, I will be the one to, you know, I will not blame you, yeah. that, that Schumer's like, dude, bring it. The, the body, body it, it. language. Yeah, yeah, he's just like, he's like, Nodding we, he, along, we got yes. you, man. Um, yeah, yeah, he's he's so, he is so, um, uh, you know, provocable. Yeah. It's it's just, yeah. it's sad. The real tip in my mind, I think, I think it was Wednesday night, when there was that thing, we were actually doing one of, our, one of our inside briefings, I think when this was happening last week, there was that thing where Trump sent that letter to Pelosi saying... Hey, you know, uh, you're whatever you said. I'm coming. Right about the State of the Union. Come yes. ready or not. Yep. I'm coming. Right. I'm going right. to show up. And he clearly thought that there was going to be this this like drawn out like is she really going to dis you know formally disinvite him? Right. Is she going to be like like in this terrible uh, situation? Like a half hour later, she sent back a, a a letter saying, "Dude, you're done. Yeah, you're formally disinvited. Forget it. You're done. Whatever." And then. Late that evening, he goes on Twitter and is like, yep, good point. Thanks for putting me in my place. (laughs) You know, you're right. I I shouldn't give the State of the Union. Thank you, Madam Speaker Pelosi. Or as he calls her, Nancy. Yeah, Nancy. And he just, and at that, I really thought, it seemed clear to me, and I'm sure it seemed clear to a lot of other people, that like, all right, dude, you're done. Yeah. Because she she like owned you so hard. Clearly, you've lost the lost the right. spirit. I think you the made fight. this
0: you made this point in the office, which is that Trump doesn't want to show up on, at the Capitol and have some altercation with the House Sergeant at Arms, or just kind of be physically blocked from entering the chamber. Like
2: he's going to look dumb if that yeah, happens. Yeah, Well, especially at the point, like if it would have been different if if she didn't make it crystal clear. But at the point, it's crystal clear yeah you're just gonna you're just gonna look dumb and then the next day we started having well there was the votes right in the senate which which didn't resolve the matter but showed that there were a lot of there republican some cracks, defections yeah. Yeah. um and then you know wasn't air airplanes falling out of the sky but it certainly seemed like it might be going that way yeah. but yeah i really think that's the thing is that everything everything with trump is is power and dominance and once he gave that up in this back and forth with pelosi he he was done yeah basically.
0: I'm, I'm curious if I mean, around the same time that the chaos at the airports was unfolding, you know, gra- flights being grounded or delayed into LaGuardia, and obviously members of Congress fly more than almost anyone. So that's not something they want to see. But his poll numbers were also dropping pretty significantly at the same time, right? Wasn't there an AP poll maybe that showed his approval at 34% right. or something really right. low? Do you think it was the polls? Was it the chaos at the airports? Was it a combination of all of the above? I think,
2: I think it was all of the above. I think that... The a, a key one, you know, w- one thing when like a week before this ended, Trump did that weekend sort of special announcement from the whatever kind of thing. Right. And some of the the reporting on that was that the origin of that was McConnell basically said, you've got to wrap this up. This is we, this is not going to be sustainable yeah. indefinitely. Um, and I don't you know, and that's not like McConnell deciding that that it's wrong to shut down the government it it was clear that there was restiveness in his caucus Mm -hmm. which you could see playing out in those votes i guess that was was thursday so i i I think it was all of those things um yeah kind of all of the all of those together and at a at a certain point uh he just choked you know simple as that yeah kind of a a sad, sad spectacle.
0: The art of the keel, I saw. Some yeah, of <laughs> yeah, no, they, yeah, no,
2: totally, the art of the keel.
0: So in the meantime, we have about 15 days of the government being open for business. We have 800-some thousand federal workers getting paychecks again. That's all great news. But Trump is still kind of threatening to go back to shutting down the government, to declaring an emergency, something he's kind of flirted with for a long time. I mean, do you think that—is
2: that, is that what, where this ends? You know, it's it's— It's hard to say because, you know, after they, I mean, his, his come down, his, his, you know, surrender was so abject and so total. I mean, we saw a few of these during the Obama years. And usually there's at least some kind of some, you know, small face saving on both sides, even if it's clear kind of who got the better of it. But this was just total it like seemed like his nothing. his speech in the rose garden announcing that there's a deal to reopen the
0: government basically just um launch he just launched into his same kind of routine of anti-immigration we need a wall women are being bound and gagged and just the kind of same rants that he always goes on and then but it didn't fool it up. Any, yeah but yeah. it didn't
2: fool anybody and he and he started getting all sorts of criticism from the right um i mean this is an example of any president is going to be damaged by defeat like this, but Trump's ideology is dominance, right? right. You have some people who that maybe their ideology is liberalism or social democracy. Um, and so you, you, you lose a fight and that damages you. But when your ideology is dominance is winning every fight, it's particularly damaging. Um, and so now he's back to like, Oh, I'm going to shut it down again, or maybe a state of emergency and stuff. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what's going to happen because he, he, he clearly does not have a—he has not thought of a way to end this on on any terms, yeah. really. And I think he you know it's possible he'll do the state of emergency thing. And it's clear that a lot of Republicans would actually prefer that, just because it lets it'll them probably, off the hook. Yeah, it lets them off the hook. It'll probably be tied up in the courts. Yeah. Um, but I think the other thing is you've got a lot of uh, Republican senators very focused on the military budget. And they don't want to, that's not okay to them. Right. So I don't know what's going to, I don't know how this is going to pan out. Hopefully poorly for him. But aside from that, I don't know. All right. So the other big
0: news of the last week, probably the craziest day in the news in a long time that I can remember was was on Friday, Roger Stone getting indicted. We've And seen, arrested. And arrested yeah. in a pretty dramatic pre-dawn raid. Dozens of FBI agents, apparently helicopters and boats off the coast. Uh, I want to bring in Josh Kavinsky, our investigative reporter. Josh, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I wanted to bring you in, kind of talk about what's been going on. So for months, it seemed like the next shoe in the Mueller investigation to drop was going to be Roger Stone,
3: right? He's he's been telegraphed a lot. Right. And people have been really expecting it, especially since right after the midterm elections, I think. Yes. So-
0: do you have any sense of the timing here, Josh, like why this is happening now? Is it just kind of that it's a, the next natural, I don't know,
3: progression in this investigation? Well, it's clear they really wanted to run down as many leads as possible. So one thing that foreshadowed the uh, raid on Friday morning and also led to CNN having a parent cameraman there was the fact that on Thursday uh, afternoon, the stepson of a famous conservative conspiracy theorist, Jerome Corsi. Uh, testified in the Mueller investigation before the grand jury, and we testified to specifically was whether or not he uh, illegally wiped uh, Jerome Corsi's hard drive, which contained emails in, uh, from summer 2016. Right. So that suggested that they were kind of trying to track down these final leads on right. or not the, on the extent of obstruction, on the extent of the alleged witness what, what tampering, and all of that. I'm curious what
2: you think about this, Josh. There was I don't know if you saw Julian Sanchez's uh, op-ed or you know reported op-ed or whatever in 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 the Times. I did, yeah. where he said that that when his reading of the tea leaves was that this was really about uh, about Stone's electronic devices. And that was, A, what kind of maybe the whole indictment is about, but particularly the logic of the pre-dawn raid and all the theatrics
3: that goes with that. I'd be inclined to agree with that. Um, And I think we can infer that from the fact that not only did they hit him at his primary place of residence in Florida, but they also hit like another property he owns down there. And then they also did a simultaneous raid on his apartment in Manhattan. Right. And in all those raids, they seized a lot of documents, a lot of electronic evidence. And that really does suggest that they're, you know, obviously they're interested in detaining Stone, but they were also interested in probably specifically going after whatever he had uh, stored on the devices, right?
0: Obviously, Stone is a flashy guy. He dresses kind of flamboyantly. He speaks equally kind of uh, colorfully. Yeah. I mean, what's funny is yesterday on Fox News, Andrew Napolitano, the judge, who is has recently kind of been almost like hashtag Gone rogue resistance. Rogue a bit. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was talking about the the Stone raid and comparing it to the the raid on Osama bin Laden's compound. Just how. You know the way he was comparing it. There were twelve Navy SEALs, right, and there were twenty-seven or thirty-two
3: FBI agents. Kind right. of like, you know, that there was, there was some dramatic or kind of over the top. And I, mean, I think that's action. a fair point that them going in carrying huge guns was a bit excessive and a little bit paramilitary. I thought. Like, yeah, I totally. I mean, there's. I, yeah. it's, I think it's always important that that that,
2: notwithstanding the the equities involved in this investigation, that they're. There is this whole kind of paramilitary. Um, I'm not sure if it's intimidation. I mean, it's very yeah, intimidating, right. but there is this intentional use of sort of paramilitary theater that that not just the FBI, but uh, you know, kind of all down the line yeah, police, that yeah. That, that, yeah. that police use, and it is it, it it's clearly not necessary, and and a certain number of times, you're going to have some misunderstanding and someone's going to get shot. <laughs> right, um, right. But it does seem, I mean, so yeah, so kind of like having the big, like heavy weapons, that's just, I, I don't I don't feel bad for Stone because I don't think he's being singled out. That's just how the police in this country operate now and it's something that we need to deal with in, in, in general. But I would say this, that coming in to arrest him without any warning early in the morning, it does seem like that may have been justified yeah. by... Yeah not having, you know, uh, destroying evidence and all that kind of stuff.
3: Right. And the fact that the whole this, the whole indictment is really predicated on apart from lying to Congress, obstruction and witness stamp. Right. Yeah. So Josh, so, Josh yeah. K take us through the charges a little bit. If you could, what alleged criminal activity did he engage in? So, I mean, there are three main charges. I mean, or th- crimes he's accused of committing. It's, uh, lying to Congress during his testimony before the House Intelligence Committee. And then there's also a witness tampering charge, which has to deal with this New York comedian named Randy Credico. Stone has long publicly claimed that Randy Credico was the real kind of back-channel conduit to WikiLeaks. Credico has denied that, but what we learned from the indictment and what previous reporting and public statements by both of them had kind of suggested was that in the background, Stone was uh, had spent the past year basically threatening Credico uh, to try and get him to alter his testimony in favor of Stone to help uh, maybe maybe exonerate him, but uh, and that was a col- colorful thing. So, for example, like at some point, at one point, Stone threatened to like disappear Randy Carlyle's dog Bianca, right? A uh, dog we're all familiar
2: with, right? 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 Well, isn't isn't she also uh, a, a emotional support dog? I mean, like you know, everybody makes jokes right. and stuff, but no, no, I she think is, that yeah. she's like he brought he. Brought her to the grand jury? He Wasn't did. Wasn't there a whole thing? Like, um, you know?
3: And when he, when he came to the TPM holiday party, yes. the, the condition was that uh, if he came, Bianca would have to come.
2: Right. Well, there you go. Well, so, we're a dog-friendly yeah. office. Yeah, we're, so we're cool. very dog We friendly are, office. yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, so continue on. We are talking, you know, this seemingly a year of, of witness tampering. And since it's Roger Stone, it's not just like, hey, can you do this? It's like, I'll kill your dog. Yeah. So okay, okay. <laughs> okay. So what else? So what else?
3: The lies to the House Intelligence Committee were pretty brazen. I mean, it was things like again, a lot of it revolved around Credico. I mean, it was there was one specific one I remember where it was he had texted Credico like thirty or forty times on the day that he testified that he'd never texted or emailed. Literally. Exactly. Yeah. No, that was. I mean,
2: I you know I'm not a lawyer, and it's always important to remember that an indictment is you know by definition the government's case unrebutted. Right. But when I read through it, I was sort of like, man, they really have him to rights. So it's like a great. Just how how you know where the lies were were about things that it's not really open to a lot of interpretation,
3: it, right? And we also don't know what else if there's going to be future charges against Stone. So one interesting kind of thread that's come out over the past day is uh, this other Stone associate, Andrew Miller, who's currently fighting off a grand jury subpoena. That case is working its way through the courts, but uh, his lawyer reached out to the Mueller team, and they were told, you know, we still want your testimony. And since he's being asked to testify, supposedly against Stone, that suggests there could be further charges coming.
2: So well, let me ask you this: it, it, Where do we had this
3: other thing yesterday,
2: where uh, the acting attorney general, who have kind of forgotten about, right. Mark Whitaker, since he's Matt Whitaker, yeah Matt Whitaker Well, I, there that's you go. how much I forgot <laughs> yeah, about <laughs> I forgot his name. Um, uh, th- that he was what he was ge- he was having this press conference about an unrelated. Uh, yeah, Chinese topic, telecom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And gets asked about the Mueller probe. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's just about done. Yeah.
3: What do you what do you I have my own interpretation. of that. What do you make of that? I mean, first of all, it was just such a weird answer because he was clearly like kind of terrified. I mean, he seemed really nervous. He was all sweaty and he was giving this really kind of halting like answer. Uh, And he says, you know, well, we don't comment on ongoing investigations, but it looks like it's about to end.
0: Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, it seemed like he was kind of working out what he was trying, you know, in real time. He was. Yeah.
3: And so, I mean, David and I were talking about this earlier, but like it's not clear if So it seemed like it was kind of an off the cuff, almost like he was blurting out the response. It's not clear if, to me if that makes it more credible or less credible. Right. Because it could have been like, you know, I shouldn't have said that. Whoops. And right. It's true. Right. Alternatively, right. with some of these stories about the investigation about to wrap up and Whittaker in particular, sometimes I think that the audience is just one person. That was kind of, you know, I, I have tried to, um, you know, insulate myself
2: from my own wishful thinking yeah. about this. But there's a lot of stuff that has come out over the last few weeks that really doesn't seem consistent in my mind with an investigation that's wrapping up, not least of which is... If it's true that they that they were really looking to get Stone's electronic devices, right. that means a ma- a significant part of your investigation isn't even isn't
3: even yeah. over. I'll just also add that there's still this grand jury case with an anonymous foreign financial company. Right. It just got to the Supreme Court, and it's it's hard to imagine they would they would close the shop before that ends. I mean,
0: Some of the reactions I saw to Whitaker's comment were kind of like downplaying how significant that really is. You know, it could be yeah, it's about to wrap up, and then we we have another witness, and all of a sudden there's all these new directions it can go in. So it's kind of like it was a noncommittal answer and it's maybe insignificant anyways because could be about
2: to wrap up and then you get roger stone's hard drive and there you go there's a whole bunch of new angles right right right, right. it seemed to me given what we know of whitaker his sort of you know intrinsic caliber let's put it that way yep. plus his relationship to donald trump that like we know this is the company line it's almost done yep. um and I mean, it, they've been saying that since 2017 exactly, right? right exactly so it it kind of seemed to me that he's maybe just going to default to that because that's what the boss wants to hear, kind of regardless of what is really going on. Do you think it's a little bit of, too, like him wanting to appear like he's in the know he's
0: saying i'm i'm fully briefed and i think it's about to wrap up and therefore i sort of look like i know what's going on
3: the fully briefed thing was interesting because you know the direction of the democrats i don't know if we're getting ourselves here but the direction of the democrats investigation into whitaker is whether or not he's basically been acting as a spy for the trump administration within the justice department and the fact that he kind of mentioned that specifically i've been fully briefed on this actually answers a fairly big yeah exactly it answers a pretty big question about you know how much whitaker knows he's now claiming to have deep you know fairly deep understanding of the investigation well so
2: Josh, uh, rem- remind me on this. I, My understanding of the state of play is the official people recommended that he recuse himself. Right. He basically brought in his own friends who said, don't recuse yourself. And he didn't recuse himself. So there's nothing wrong per se in his being fully briefed. Is that... Am I no, right? It's a, not like he's he's violating a recusal. He didn't recuse himself.
3: Well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's a question whether or not he's he was constitutionally appointed. Whether or not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> remind us,
2: there was four people he consulted with,
0: right, to, uh, yeah. on the question of whether he should recuse. Who were those people?
3: Well, so we don't know. And let me kind of rewind a little bit. There's a uh, last week, Jerry Nadler, uh, who's head of the House Judiciary Committee, submitted a request to Whitaker himself, uh, li- laying out around like between like five or ten questions on what the committee wants to investigate with respect to Whitaker, and the idea was. That he was giving way to current opportunity to uh, see if you know somebody would, Trump would want to claim basically a certain executive privilege over any of his responses before he comes to the committee, but it gave us a nice roadmap into into the direction of the Democrats' interest, and one of the main sources of interest or points of interest is exactly that the uh, identities of these four people who he relied on to come to this decision that uh, he did not need to recuse himself from overseeing the Mueller probe, but the rest of the direction of the rest of the questions is quite interesting. It's whether or not he. Not so much whether or not he's been briefed, but whether or not what he knows is being transferred to Trump's legal team in a bunch of different the cases. Outside legal team, the outside legal team in a bunch of different cases. Some of them are specifically are like, you know, re- directly relevant to the Mueller probe. Others are kind of more interesting. I think interesting in other ways. For example, this BuzzFeed story that was uh, disputed a couple weeks ago. Uh, one of the questions was whether or not uh, Whitaker reached out to Trump's legal team in advance of them uh, contacting the uh, special counsel's office. Right, and just was, to remind
0: yeah. our listeners, the BuzzFeed story blockbuster scoop late on a Thursday night, right, right. Um, reported that Trump personally basically directed or ordered Michael Cohen to lie to
2: Congress about the Trump Tower Moscow project. Yeah. You know, I think I think where most people have come down on that is that there probably were at least technical errors. It, and when I say technical errors, you know, maybe Trump ordered him to do it, but the special counsel's office didn't review the documents that show that the Southern District of New York did. Or maybe um, he, in essence, ordered it, but it was You know, so, so I, I don't think the special counsel's office, this, uh, this special counsel's office, would come out and make that statement if nothing was wrong. It, it. I just. I don't buy that. All I don't right. buy. But. But. I think if the political people came in and said, "You need to do something about this," and there was something technically wrong, they would feel that it was proper to to provide this kind of statement. They did. Um, anyway, but so that so all these and this is the thing with with, with Whitaker, is that he's he's there's so many different layers. About him, he doesn't seem like the sharpest guy in the world. he's clearly dealing with much more experienced, much savvier people around him Bob Muller, rod Rosenstein the, these kind of people people in 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 Congress he's not terribly honest, so like when you when we when we think about like well, is the case invest you know is is the investigation ending? There's so many levels, and it's yeah. like it's undeterminable. Basically, yeah. we can't, we, we just, you just can't, there's too many layers of nonsense to come up with any sort of like even relative certainty. So let me, I, I'm going to uh, jump in here for a second and remind everybody, you know, I think most people who listen to the Josh Marshall podcast are also readers of Talking Points Memo, TPM, the site that uh, publishes this uh, podcast and, and does all sorts of other amazing things. I just want to remind you, if you enjoy the podcast, if you're a reader of TPM and you're not a subscriber, uh, consider subscribing, subscribing to TPM Prime. That is our our membership, our subscription. Uh, it, it gets you a lot of... Uh, uh, extra benefits, and it's a great way to support our work. TPM is a truly independent media company. There's no big corporation behind us. There's no, uh, well, it's as simple as that. Yeah. We are I mean, independent. The, We're member- yeah. the We're memberships are literally. Our own. Yeah, yeah, it's literally how we are able to do what we do, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we, are, we are truly independent, and this week we actually introduced a, a new membership level called T, uh, Prime AF, which sort of stands for <laughs> Prime Ad Free. Right, among and other things? Yeah, it's among other things. There was Let's put it this way. When, 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 when uh, I, I came up with the name, it was with full understanding of all the dimensions of, <laughs> sure. of, of, yep. of putting these two letters together. In any case, it's Prime, plus you get to view the site with no ads at all, ever. Um, so if you really li- like just reading TPM with no ads... This is the way to do it. It's also a way, uh, if it's within your budget, to to increase your support for what we do. And yeah,
0: not only does it get rid of the ads, which can sometimes be distracting or kind of a, you know intrusive, but it makes the site load a lot faster too, right? I mean, yeah. it makes the whole experience more
2: smooth. I've actually been I've actually been uh, pleasantly surprised as people have signed up over the last few days. We've got lots of emails where people say, "Hey, you know, I was kind of." down for getting rid of the ads and you know and and supporting you guys but I'm actually I've been surprised at how much the reading experience is improved because you know I don't think um none of us are really uh used to, I mean, I guess if you use ad blockers, boo, 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 <laughs> you can, you can do it. But you know, we're, we're generally not used to viewing the web with only the stuff you want to read without, without advertising. And, um, you know, we're not against advertising. Advertising has, uh, supported what we do for a really long time and it continues to do so to a significant extent, but it's a, di- it's a different experience. Yeah. And, and, uh, even with your ad blocker, there's, there's, uh, some level of slowdown of your ad blocker working, of blocking the ads and all right. that kind of stuff. So anyway, yep. uh, if if you haven't yet, uh, please consider subscribing to TPM. That's all I got.
0: All right. So all right. Sh- shifting back to Whitaker, I, I want to kind of touch on kind of Democratic oversight. Obviously, this is going to be sure. a big topic. For the year, we have a divided Congress. That means legislation is basically not going to go anywhere, right? So it's kind of like oversight, congressional investigations, hearings, that's kind of the big game. So we were talking a lot about Whitaker. We have a hearing coming up on February 8th, is that right?
3: Yeah, that's correct. So what do
0: we yeah. what do we expect? You mentioned kind of he answered some of the big questions that, that are out there about his relationship with the White House, but what else is on
3: your radar? Well, this isn't so much uh, an area of the investigation, but I think it'll be interesting to see how Whitaker responds to adversarial questioning. Um, you know, he's made Fox appearances, he's given speeches, we saw him talk yesterday in public, and he seemed pretty nervous. And I think right. it'll be interesting to see how he uh, reacts under pressure.
2: So David and I were were, were trying to figure this out but before you, you came in, Josh, that as far as I know, that is the first time since he became acting attorney general that he has been in any... Interactive yeah. context, let alone adversarial. Like he's given a couple speeches at colleges or something like that. But is that right? This is I, the first time. As far as I know, I think that's right. Yeah. Um, and he he seemed like, you know, this is a, a grown man. I mean, it looked like he was about to like collapse or something. I mean, he was like perspiring and right, right. didn't seem like on top of his. He has game. sales experience. You would think maybe making a presentation is
0: yeah. Part he, of was the... a,
3: he was a hot tub salesman. Right. And you have to have confidence for that. Right. So it's surprising. Um, yeah, you do. You yeah. All right. All right. So anyway,
2: I, I interrupted you. That. That. But yeah. So what are what are the other things that they want to know about?
3: Well, so part of it has to do with the his appointment, uh, whether or not he was communicating with the Trump team before he replaced Sessions. Uh, you know, all the circumstances that surrounded that, and then after again, uh, just to reiterate, I think the really thing that stood out from that letter was whether or not um, he was feeding information to Trump's legal team, kind of in a way that would I think have paralleled Paul Manafort allegedly doing it after signing the plea agreement. Uh, so feeding information to Trump's legal teams, they would have basically have an inside guy at the Justice Department, and that's a—I mean—a really serious allegation if if it's you know proven, of course. Let me ask you this: I mean, this is—I mean, obviously, it is completely inappropriate. But like many things
2: here, it's not entire. i mean, it's it's sort of outside the bounds of what people even have. Thought To protect against. So it's not. Compl- so what we're talking about here, if I'm understanding this right, is Matt Whitaker is overseeing the Justice Department and sort of overseeing this probe. He is the, if it if his appointment is legal, he's the nation's top law enforcement or officer. So he has every right to know everything about this. Um, and we are talking about him possibly. Certainly, he has the right to talk to the president. President and his boss, president, all the, you know, has all the constitutional authority. And then you get into this case where, all right, but you're being investigated, and can we talk to your lawyers? And there's no. But, again, it does seem like it's not totally, like, is is there, like, a departmental regulation that that would actually violate if that did happen?
3: I mean, I think we're really in uncharted waters, and that's a big part of it. Uh, and, I mean, to be, you know, to be specific, it's they're asking for communications with the legal team. But they're asking for communications also with, like, White House staff about these certain topics. Right, so right. maybe it wasn't directly to, you know, some Trump attorney or to Giuliani. It would have been, you know, to some second some mid-level staffer. And then right, it gets carried right, on. Right, right, right. Well, and, yeah.
2: and, and a lot of
3: things. I mean, this is, you know, if, if we're thinking about impeachment
2: and stuff like this there doesn't have to be a regulation in right. some ways the most important the most potentially damaging and illegitimate things don't violate any regulation they're just that they they break the whole system so anyway that's that's a it's obviously a big deal.
0: So, so on top of that, we also had the House Foreign Affairs Committee, right, that's yeah. investigating or you know looking into Trump's Washington D.C. hotel deal. You had kind of a fun post yesterday about the latest and in a kind of lawsuits from what is it the Maryland and D.C. attorneys general?
3: Yeah, and the so this is all basically about what people. know. I mean it's it's the emoluments issue, whether or not Trump is uh, violating the Constitution in a different way by basically taking money from foreign governments profiting from, from it right yeah but who? basically if, if a foreign official goes to say it is one of his hotels is, is that violating the constitution
0: and, the, and um, was it his private was it the
3: administration that responded or the Trump organization so the Maryland and D.C. attorneys general lawsuit is interesting in that they sued him both in his professional capacity as a government official and just in his personal capacity as a business owner as, or a citizen whatever. yeah just as a citizen so if, if, if he's found guilty of, or if he's found liable in civil court then he would have to pay damages personally they would meet the government f- footing the bill. Right. So he had to hire his own attorneys for that. And their argument was ba- I mean their arguments were very different but uh, kind of varied and it's not necessarily I think relevant to this but what was interesting and I think what got overlooked in the news was last week Elliot Engel Right now, uh, House, chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee announced that they're also going to investigate this issue, which is probably going to mean subpoenas to the Trump Hotels, Trump Organization, and specifically what they're looking at is whether or not um, changes in business at Trump's hotels and whether not business issues at Trump's hotels were being used to influence uh, American foreign policy. And that's well, a... Re- yeah. Wasn't there... Some, I, I know that one of the pieces that... I guess one of their
2: arguments was... This isn't currying favor. It's just it, the hotels are so damn good.
3: <laughs> right, Like, right. everybody's going BLT there. BLT Prime is right, so right. delicious. Right. And, yeah. yeah. Well, because, like, legally, I mean, there's an issue. Like, I mean, they were arguing that you had to kind of prove that uh – you know, uh, let's say some Saudi official rented out you know uh, like an entire floor in one of Trump's hotels specifically because he wanted some policy concession, and they were just saying, "Well, why 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 wouldn't he just go there? Because it's the best hotel in D.C. Right? It's like right. so Does, luxurious." Do you guys uh, know
0: off the top of your head how much rooms go for at this hotel? They're pretty expensive, right? I mean, hundreds of six seven hundred dollars. Oh, I would
2: I would assume it's that much. I mean, just just uh, you know, D.C. D.C. hotel rooms are. Even even the basic ones yeah. in DC are all you know at least a couple hundred dollars a night. Right? Um, uh, you know, there's everything's relative, but like you don't have to be, you don't have to be in in a fancy place to spend significant money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least at least a hundred dollars. You know, maybe two hundred dollars a night. Um, so I would I would assume it's pretty pretty steep.
3: Yeah, I think another interesting argument that they're kind of throwing up is. Uh, this argument that because the founding fathers had plantations that were like selling flour to the to, to England, or Jamaica, uh, other uh, yeah, yeah right? and, and other other foreign states that somehow means that Trump's uh, DC hotel, you know, is okay under the as per, under the Emoluments Clause. Again, we haven't seen I think a court necessarily address that argument directly yet. It'll be interesting to see how the judges yeah. respond. Yeah, it does seem like I mean, there's like a little bit of an argument there, but it's pretty thin. Right, and I think there's a little bit of a question where you draw the line. I mean, because, for example, I mean, they keep bringing up this example of Obama, uh, you know, having foreign book sales and the specific case they use is like if he if like a foreign university that was owned by a foreign government bought like 100 Obama memoirs while he was in office, you know, does that count as an emolument? I mean, again, it's a question of where do you draw the line? It's obviously way harder to use that as a potential bribe than it would be to rent out, you know, an entire building. Right. Right.
2: Down the street from the White House. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the one of the funny things and (laughs) this is a case where where Trump's cheapness is sort of works against him, that for most, I mean, the whole origin of this is y- you just have to dif- divest your, you know, you can't be running a private right. business at the same time as being president. But to the extent you are, I would think that, you know, if I'm, if I'm Donald Trump, I'm thinking like, man, I'm president. I'm really not going to sweat a few you know 20 grand here and 20 grand there right. but you know donald trump is gonna sweat it that that's <laughs> gonna mean a lot to him yeah. right that if that if that if um because even that thing with like what a bunch of saudi princes rented out a big a big chunk of one of the hotel wasn't it in new york too no wasn't there was it, it, was, it was, was mainly it DC? the dc okay. one. yeah, okay. yeah.
3: but yeah. There, there are different saudis renting different right uh, right, different right properties but even yeah.
2: but even there you're thinking i mean On a profit basis, maybe did they make a
3: hundred... I mean, again, you're president. Yeah. Yeah. You're 72 years old. Like... But it's like, I think it's profit, but like, I mean, we're getting into Trump psychology right now, but it's, it's also like ego. I mean, it's yeah, just saying like, totally. you know, you have like the best hotel in totally, DC. Totally. Totally. That he is going I mean, to be, whether that's,
2: it's, that's the, the argument, whether it's right? the ego yeah. stroking or the cash, that's going to be
3: right, a big deal. Right. Yeah.
0: Him. All right. Well, as we're wrapping up here, Josh K, what else is kind of on your radar? What should our listeners kind of be looking out for in the next, you know, week or month or so?
3: Well, next month is going to be interesting, for, again, for the Mueller investigation, because we're, we're actually going to see if this is true, that it's going down in February. We're going to see if there actually is a report being prepared, or if that was all basically hot air. Right. Uh, so that's going to be really fascinating to watch. You know, the tax tax returns, Democrats. So Richie Neal, he's the longest serving Democrat in Mass, um, from Massachusetts, and he's head of the- um, Ways and Means, right? Yeah, is Ways and means. means. Yeah, he said, thank you. He's the head of the Ways and Means Committee. And so he's the only Democrat in Congress right now who's empowered to request um, the, the tax returns of Donald Trump from the- Secretary of the Treasury. And just
0: quickly, I mean I know you wrote a you wrote a pretty lengthy piece on Trump's tax returns. Yeah. Everyone should go to the website and check it out. Kind of sum that up for us. It's maybe not the smoking gun if we do get Trump's tax returns it's not necessarily the smoking gun everyone might think it is, but it can kind
3: of point in lots of different directions. Is that right? Right. I mean, I talked to a few tax attorneys and a few kind of former congressional investigators for this story, and what they told me was that it was it would be a great roadmap. I mean, from there, you could launch an investigation that would, after a few months, really kind of lay things out in a detailed way. And in the past, when Congress has invoked this provision, what they've done is they haven't released the returns themselves. What they've done is they've written, like, you know, a 400-page report or something based off of what they learned from what was contained in the in the tax returns. Yeah, so, I mean, and yeah. I think it's it's, despite the fact that it's Donald Trump, everybody's tax returns
2: should be private unless there's some compelling reason why they shouldn't be private right um and so even i think that you know should should they just put them out there like i'm not sure that makes sense what you want is you want people who have an interest in in really investigating to get a look at everything and then see what they come up with yeah yeah That's my shout out of fairness to Donald Trump this week. All right. Since we're finishing up, I got to remind everybody that the Josh Marshall Podcast is brought to you by, sponsored by, everything by, uh, Grady's Cold Brew Ice Coffee. Ready to give it a swirl? Get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. That's promo code TPM. Thank you, guys. Later. Great. Thanks a lot.